You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and these are Daniel Howitt's interviews with Jodie Foster and Taha Rahim, the two stars of The Mauritanian, and the film's director, Kevin McDonald. If you stray outside the designated areas, you will be removed from the island. It's recommended you wear a hijab when visiting your client. We've had incidents of inmates spitting at female lawyers. You want to represent the head recruiter for 9-11. Mohamedou Old Slahi, the Mauritanian, held in Guantanamo. He recruited the guys who flew your friend's plane into the South Tower. He put those men on my husband's plane? I'm going to make him pay. In the event the detainee lunges for you, push back away from the table. We'll get in there as quick as we can. Hey, Jody, it's such an honor to talk with you. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Just to start off, what what attracted you to the Mauritanian? What were your first impressions of the project? Uh, well, you know, I knew nothing about really Guantanamo. I vaguely knew that um, we kept prisoners there, um, and that 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 you know Obama wanted to close it, and that was pr- pretty much all I investigated. Uh, so when I read the book, uh, I was kind of blown away. I, there was so much in it that I didn't really realize. And of course, told from this magnificent first-person perspective, Mohamedou El-Slahi, um, who was abducted from his home in Mauritania and taken by various governments, eventually uh, by the United States government, um, imprisoned for 15 years without ever being charged of anything, uh, tortured and isolated. And, um, and then you know, this amazing story of kind of him as a person finding his humanity and 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 continuing um, to become a better person instead of worse because of it. So, you know, that that to me was like everything. So the second I read that, I was like, okay, now I need to know more about everything else. Yeah. And and if I'm not mistaken, this is only, I believe, the second time you've played a, a real person. So- yeah. The, the other real person I played has been dead for a couple hundred years. So I was safe. I was able to do, um, take lots of licenses and change yeah. things. Yeah. A little bit of a different experience. So how did that, how did that change your uh, approach or your preparation for the role? It's um, it's not easy. And I have to say, it's definitely, it's definitely, you know, better for an actor in a way to, to create a character from scratch because you can take, you can change things. Um, you are a little, you do have a responsibility to the real person to make sure that you capture them. But I think once you do that, once you get the broad strokes of somebody, unless it's somebody that everybody recognizes immediately, I think you can take some licenses. And I did that with Nancy and she was open to that. Um, I said to her, like, look, this is not going to be an impersonation. You're not going to, you know, they're not going to put the two of us together in a mirror and go like, oh my God, I don't know which one's which. Um, so yes, you know, I look like her. I've got the the red nails and the red lipstick and her her uh, you know her black leather jacket and all that kind of stuff. But um some things are sorry are exaggerated. You know, Nancy, the real Nancy is quite defended because she's had to defend uh uh guilty people, and that does take a toll. But I think I exaggerated that a little bit and made her a little bit sharper and a little little less nice in the beginning of the movie, and then as time goes on. Uh, she changes as she grows to care about Muhammadu. Um, that that is very true in the real life, but I think that I um, did exaggerate that a bit just for the help help of the movie. Sure. And in meeting her prior to uh, portraying her, what was the most valuable part of that experience of meeting her? Ah, oh, gosh, you know, I think it's just being so. I'm just so happy that there are people like her, that she exists, that there are people out there whose mission it is to defend the rule of law and um, 
and to keep us on track, uh, to challenge governments, challenge authority, to uh, put their emotions aside and to really follow the law. I mean, our, our system of government, our democracy really relies on that challenge from the outside um, as a way of balancing, um, you know, as, as a way of balancing our own uh, com- compulsions. And, and of course, you're acting alongside Tahar Rahim, uh, still a pretty new face here in America, um, and he's astounding in the film. So what was it like working with him? Yeah, he's a very well-known actor in France. Um, he did a film called uh, Un Prophète by Jacques Audiard that's, uh, that brought him into the consciousness. He's a great actor, and I knew the second I heard he was cast, I just sort of was jumping up with joy. I knew he'd be amazing for the film. Um, He's extraordinary in the movie. I'm so proud of him. And, and I'm, I just feel very lucky that honored to have been in that space with him and to watch that character take shape. You've been a little bit more selective in recent years with projects you take on. What what gets you excited as either as an actor or a director? I'd love to know what, what makes you want to sign on to a project. I do like to learn things. Um, and it doesn't, not necessarily facts, um, but I, I do feel like movies are an opportunity for an actor to change, to become a better person, um, and sometimes that's painful, you know, you sometimes have to look at things about yourself you don't really like and, and um, examine them and see the people that you've hurt in the past. You know, it's a lot of self-discovery uh, and the process of doing that um, and empathizing and coming to understand other people that normally you wouldn't be able to figure out, you know, you wouldn't be able to understand them. They're not relevant to you. Um, that process opens those people's lives up to other people and uh, starts a dialogue. And, and, you know, that's the most beautiful thing that we can do as artists is to start a dialogue that can help change people. What do you hope people take away from the experience of watching the Mauritanian? I think I, you know, I hope that they receive Mohamedou's character, that they see him for who he is, this complicated, uh, wise and yet, you know, childlike, you know, joyful um, and yet deep person who is full of contradictions and complications, um, that they appreciate him as a Muslim man um, and can put aside their Islamophobia uh, that's sort of been ingrained into our system to be able to see him as a human being. I'd love to know uh, your experience with Kevin McDonald. You know, his stories are really real and down to earth and uh, very documentary-like. Uh, what was your experience with him? Yeah, definitely the best director for this movie. And and the film came with him attached and I knew that he would be the director. And um, I really believe that he was the right guy for this. You know, that he has that combination of the documentary, documentary spirit where he's always curious and wants more facts and wants to honor everybody's point of view, understand everybody's point of view, but he also has a real understanding of cinema. Um, and you don't often get that both those things in one director. Sometimes one's stronger about one thing than the other. And I think that he he's a perfect combination of both. And he made a movie that was wasn't sentimental, um, and and yet it was full of emotion. And um, that's hard to do. And I, I really appreciated that. Well, uh, you know, we're we're deep in the heart uh, of award season. So before I let you go, I'd love to know what what movies are you loving these days? What's inspiring you? Anything? Uh, yeah, I think I've, I've, I've gotten through most of the movies at this point. Um, I think like everybody, I really love Nomadland. I think mm, that's yeah. a film, um, amazing director with Chloe Zhao. Um, I love the writer. I, I just, uh, I couldn't wait to see what she was going to do next. And this is a really extraordinary film. Um, extraordinary performance from Francis McDormand. Um, I really like that documentary Time. Uh, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and, and Anthony Hopkins' performance in The Father was really amazing. Um, it, it's, a, it's kind of a slim season. Uh, there's, there's not that many movies this year, obviously because of the pandemic. Uh, I, I have a feeling Mauritania was one of the last movies uh, that was able to finish before the lockdown. So um, it's a slim year. Awesome. Well, uh, Jody, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for your work in this film. All right. Take care. I'm Nancy Hollander. This is my associate. We wish to represent you. We are seeking the death penalty. But if we miss something, this guy goes home. Let's get to it. Call this number. Speak to my mother. Tell her, I don't know, something nice. The U.S. government is holding upwards of 700 prisoners in Guantanamo. Since when did we start locking people up without a trial in this country? That's a lot of case files. The prosecution won't show us the evidence they have against you. It's all redacted. You got a problem? Take it up with the government. All my time here, I've been told you are guilty. Not for something that I have done, but because of suspicions and associations. I am innocent. He has been interrogated. He has been held against his will for six years without a single charge being laid against him. Does it bother you at all working for someone like this? I'm not just defending him. I'm defending the rule of law. You haven't seen what I've seen. Connor, thank you so much for talking with me today. My pleasure. Well, so we've seen a number of these war on terror movies, and they typically feature Muslim men as like faceless villains, right? So uh, the Mauritanian is very different in that respect. What what attracted you to the role of Mahamadou Slahi? Oh, many things. Uh, you know, I, I, I worked with Kevin before, and uh, we became friends, and we, I mean, I always wanted to work with him again. So when he sent me this uh, script, it was, uh, you know, I, I had this, this uh, you know, I, I was uh, um, mistaken by the title. It was Guantanamo Diary at that time. So I thought it would be this war and terror film with uh, what you just said, stereotypical yeah. characters. But uh, it was my fault. You know, I know Kevin. I know how uh, how uh, subtle he is, how clever he is. So I said to myself, it's impossible. So I started to read it. And uh, I, you know, I my, my feelings were uh, mixed up because um, I loved the part. I was really happy and I wanted to take it like instantly and at the same time i felt sad and angry because i i i was uh you know i discovered a true story and that this man's been through all those horrible things uh i felt sad and i wanted to do him justice but especially about what you were saying is that it's very rare almost uh never uh uh to to read a part where the lead character is a sympathetic Muslim and it's of the heart of an American movie. Yeah. At a point that if you take the 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 character itself and in a way more so the narrative and you put it in another context, like uh I mean uh the same story, but nothing to deal with 9-11 and it's another uh crime, for example, the movie would still works. So then you see that's a part. And I think it's really important nowadays because it's relevant to show what a different, a, a new face, a, to me, a, a common face, but a new face of uh, people from, uh, you know, from another background. And and there's there's plenty of redemption in the story, but it, but it's also pretty harrowing, uh, pretty hard to watch at times. How do you mentally prepare yourself to, to depict torture and things like that on screen like you did? Uh, the 
you know, I could have, uh, you know, thought and thought and thought and studied and studied, but there was no other way to to make it than uh, try to get as close as possible to the real conditions Mohammed has been through. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hurt myself, of course, but uh, I, I needed it to to convey authenticity to my director, to the to 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 Mohammedu, to, to the audience, and and for me to be able to touch a sort of truth, because uh, that that's what we're looking for, actors. You see, and it's very rare to have the opportunity to do it, uh, because sometimes the part is not good enough or deep enough. The movie may might might not be uh, strong enough, and here it was. Uh, was uh, gathered to make it happen. The only thing that I that could ruin the movie was me. <laughs> you see, so I was like, I can't do it. I need to go all in. And uh, the more <clears throat> you you experience it as an actor, the more you feel that you're, you know, you feel real, like you, you're smelling a sort of you're smelling the truth, and and. Uh, I, uh, the more you go, the, the farthest you want to go. Boom, boom, boom. Kevin got a bit worried. I was, uh, I had some, you know, blood on uh, my, my ankles were bleeding. I was uh, tired. I was very thin because I was on diet, exhausted. And uh, but I told him I need to go there. Don't worry about me. I'm not going to die. And plus, psychologically, it affected me. But anyway, in the back of my head, I knew I would go to my hotel room uh, when we wrap which was not the case for Mohamedou. So uh, it was almost a mission to go as far as possible. And it helped me. It helped me a lot because I, I, I finally believed in what I was doing because it felt real. I, I understand that you met Mohamedou himself. Um, how, how, did, how did meeting him help inform your performance? Uh, each time I, um, I play a real life uh, character, I, I mean, I need to meet the real person. Uh, what an opportunity to have someone in front of you who could give you all the answers. And um, I did. It was an, an impressive, memorable moment because uh, it was it, it was hard to believe that Mohammed has been uh, uh, has been through Guantanamo. He was smiling. He was uh, uh, funny, clever, generous. You know, full of light. Like, how's that possible? So uh, we talked about, you know, many things. And I I, I, I went to this uh, touchy topic and I asked him about, uh, you know, the torture. And, and then he suddenly changed. Everything changed. He would, you know, move differently, talk differently. His eyes would uh, go all over the place and it was hard for him. So I, I, felt, I felt stupid asking him those questions. Uh, Make making him going through this again. I felt bad, so I stopped and never asked him those questions uh, ever. So uh, I did what I had to do, as I told you. But I needed to understand something: how he turned anger into forgiveness. So it was like, uh, you know, after all of it, after everything that happened to you, you don't hold the grudge. It's your captain. And he's like, yeah, I said, between us, you're still angry or something? He said, no, no, not at all. Because I came to realize that when you turn 
anger into forgiveness, uh, you, you, you give a treat to yourself. And, you know, so you're, you feel free. You free yourself from so many things, so many barriers. So his spirit and, and so he could evade beyond this uh, little uh, metal box. And he added that by doing this, you might have the power to change people's mind. And he did that. He had the, I don't know how he, I don't know how you do this, you know, but uh, he put himself in the shoes of others, especially his captors. While he was being tortured, he would tell him, why do you do this to yourself? Mm. And, and he came to that conclusion that fear led them to react this way and that they were uh, also victims. Very wise. Yeah. Wow. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Hey Hey there. there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo. And co-hosts of Sleepover Sleepover Cinema. Cinema. Our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. Well, one last question before I, before I let you go. Um, I, I just want to know what what do you look for in roles? What attracts you to projects as you're as you're you know reading scripts, you know getting offers, whatever. What what attracts you to your next project? Uh, first of all, uh, I like to be surprised by uh, by, by by what I'm reading, and then of course the part I, I like to to be challenged. If I read a, a script. And I, I'm excited as well as I am scared. It's a mm. good sign. If I think that I might not be able to do it, maybe I'm not the right actor. Maybe I'm not talented enough. I get excited. And I want to do it. That's great. Any, uh, any upcoming projects you can tell me about? Uh, I, just, uh, I just accepted a film in France. It's a musical. Mm, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I see. <laughs> I, I'm a bad singer, but I'll have to learn. <laughs> great. I'm afraid, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's cool because I always wanted to do musical. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll see what what uh, what the future holds. You know, 
Awesome. Well, I'm excited to see it. Well, uh, Tar, thank you so much. I appreciate your work and I, I appreciate your time talking with me today. Thank you, Daniel. Where I'm from in Mauritania, we know not to trust the police. But never did I believe that the United States of America would use fear and terror to control me. A couple of sleepless nights, that's all. I've never been part of a conspiracy, but I'm starting to think this is what it must feel like to be on the outside of it. You're ever thinking this. Either wear the jersey or get off the field. You need to tell me what happened to you. I can't defend you. Do you understand that? You asked me to set fire to this place, but I'm still sitting. Maybe he's guilty. Maybe he is. We're doing our job. I'm not welcome home. That's not a part of my job. If I'm wrong, when it comes to my reckoning, I'm the one that'll have to answer for it. What makes you think you're any better than the rest of us? I don't think I'm better than anybody else. That is the point. For eight years, I have been dreaming of being in a courtroom. Now that I'm here, I'm scared to death. You know, I think I figured out why they built Guantanamo down there. My client, he's not a suspect. He's a witness. Mr. Slahi, would you please raise your right hand and repeat after me? The Mauritanian. Kevin, uh, thanks so much for talking with me today. It's a total pleasure. How are you? I am great. Thank you for asking. So th there have been a, a, a number of stories about the war on terror, a number of films. What attracted you to Slahi's story in particular? Because there hasn't been a story about this period from the point of view of a Muslim man at all. I mean, there's very few, if any, American movies which uh, have a sympathetic Muslim as lead. I don't think I know any really, but there might be some. Um, and certainly nothing about this particular incredibly important epoch of history, which has been from that point of view. And I think that's still today a radical position to take, which is interesting. Um, and I always felt that I didn't want to make another movie about the politics of that period. I wanted to make a movie about a human being and about humanizing, that was a movie that is humanizing um, a character who generally we, we, we like to other and dehumanize. And uh, I understand that you uh, met Salahi and, and a lot of the people involved in the, the, the real life people who are involved in the story. How did meeting them inform your filmmaking? Uh, informed the film an awful lot. Obviously, Mohamedou, speaking to Mohamedou for the first time was, you know, that before I spoke to him, I wasn't sure if I wanted to make a film but, about this because I wasn't sure how to, what the story would be. I just, as I said, I didn't want to make a political film about this era. And it was only when I talked to him and realized that he's not at all angry, bitter, that actually he's a man of great humor and warmth and huge intelligence. And not to say he's not a complicated person, an ambiguous person as well, but he, he has been able to move beyond the anger and desire for revenge that most of us would feel into a place where he actually is able to forgive and even empathize with the people who, who mistreated him. And to me, that was an amazing thing and an amazing metaphor that, for the kind of division in our society today that is at such crazy hysterical heights that actually you know if he could reach out to the other side and humanize the american guards who mistreated him then surely we can all do that in our in our own way so that 
impacted everything about the film. When I, he also, you know, talking to him about Guantanamo, he was able to show us exactly what the cell looked like, how big it was, how big, you know, the medical room was, what, what, it, what, it was, what was put over his eyes, what was all the detail of that, the procedure of the guards go through when they chain you up. He and one of the other guards who we spoke to, who's Steve, who's portrayed in the film, who kind of befriended Muhammadu, uh, they were very helpful with all of that detail and in piecing together what it should be, authentic, an authentic representation of the place. And that was so important to me and to Muhammadu because, it, you know, that's where the historical responsibility lies and sort of saying, this is actually what happened. And you've never seen that before. Yeah. And I think there's this mistaken idea that people think, oh, Guantanamo, we've been there. We haven't really been there. And we we haven't actually seen this act, these acts of torture, which were carried out. All Everything that you see in the film is what actually happened to him and documented not only by him and his book, but by American government documents, which are you know freely available on the internet if you if you want to look for them. Yeah, I was shocked uh, how little I knew about, yeah, I, exactly like you said, I felt like I knew. I was shocked at how little I knew. Well, tell me about assembling this cast, uh, especially the process for finding the right person to play Mahamadou. Well, you know, actually, what seems to the outside to be the hardest thing is to find your perfect Mohamedou was actually the easiest because I, I, I knew exactly who it was. As soon as I spoke to the real Mohamedou, I knew who was going to play him. Um, and that was Tahar. We were old friends. We worked together before. And he's so like the real Mohamedou in that he has this, this irrepressible, you know, joie de vivre mm. and joy within him. And yet is also you know, an incredibly fine actor, you know, just technically. And for him, this was a role that he took with great seriousness because it was such a responsibility, you know, to 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 have the opportunity to do this and to, to hail Muhammadu's story and to, you know, show this uh, positive portrait of, of, of somebody who is generally not seen in a positive light. So, we spent so much time talking about how we would do this and he spent a lot of time thinking about it and he spent a lot of time talking to the real Muhammadu. With the other actors, you know, Jodie Foster, like so many people, I grew up worshipping her, you know, four or five of her films are on my, you know, top 50 list mm -hmm. and um, she seemed absolutely perfect for the character who we were envisaging Nancy to be and because she has this steeliness to her and this kind of, you know, pushing of people away almost in her, in her bearing. She's not inviting. And, um, but you feel within her such a broken quality that it's really endearing and, and sad. And that quality that Jodie has had in some of her great performances, I see that that was who Nancy should be. And I went to her and I couldn't believe it that she, you know, she responded immediately. Let's talk about it. We worked on the script together. She kept saying, you know, cut these lines, cut this line. I don't need it. That was actually a real lesson to me was, you know, most actors are saying, oh, give me more. Could I not have a scene where did this? Could I, can you have, can I have a funny line here? And her thing was, no, I need less. Mm. I need less. I, the audience will know who I am right from the very first scene because of the way I'm going to do this, the way I'm going to do that. And she relied on a kind of minimalism, which I thought was just, was, you know, so brave and, but absolutely, absolutely correct. So she, so, so 
there's also the first film that she has done where she's playing a real character mm. and the first kind of political film that she's done. And so I think she really was inspired by that. It was very new to her. She can't, she, if you say to her, why don't you act more, Jodie? She says, I've been doing it since I was three years old. I'm kind of bored of it. I've done a lot, sure. you know, and I think that, so it has to be something that is different for her to be, you know, to be, to be, to be drawn to. And Shailene got involved very quickly. You know, somebody told me that, that, uh, um, uh, she was available in the time when we were doing this and I needed someone who would be the kind of antithesis of Jodie's character, somebody who would be all about heart and trust and warmth and and Shailene is the most kind of likable screen presence alive and I sent her the script, she phoned me up and said I'm in, even if you want to make this one, a one page part I love this story, I want to be a part of it she, so she was involved and Benedict was actually funnily enough, he's the, one of the producers on the film and was involved even before I was as a producer, his company optioned the rights. He became, um, uh, he only got on board as an actor right towards the end when we were, you know, we were thinking of, you know, sending it to various American actors and Benedict said, stop, I've, I've just read the script. I'd, I'd love to do this. Would you, I mean, I remember him saying to me, you know, would, would you consider having me do it? <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one last question before I let you go. Uh, uh, what do you hope people take away from seeing Mahamadou's story, especially in America? Well, I think two things. One is simply that the rule of law is there for a reason. Mm. And when you decide to sidestep it or cut it open, you, you let out all sorts of ghouls and nightmares. And America's still living with Guantanamo and the and the and the sort of legal limbo that it's created for the people who are left there. And I think there's a reason why it's something that Joe Biden has already said that he would like to deal with finally. And it's, you know, I don't think he's under any illusions how easy that is to do. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, so I think there's just a basic principle, the rule of law, which we've all, I think, thought about a lot over the last few years everywhere in the world. Um, and then there's just this simple idea of you know, seeing somebody as a human being instead of as a instead of as a type or an, somebody who's other or different from me. And I, you know, in this movie, that's not just about Mohammed. It's about Jody and how Jody's character is seen by Benedict's character. Mm -hmm. How Benedict's character is not, you know, a right wing military uh, uh, stereotype. He's a guy who's who's guided by very firm constitutional and Christian principles, yeah. and um, in a way, it's a movie where there are no there are no individual bad guys. There's a movie about there's a bad system, a rotten system has been locked up, and actually, characters struggling with that and the consequences of that. Yeah. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for this film. Thank you for your time this morning. I appreciate it. Great to talk to you. Bye bye. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interviews with two of the stars from the Mauritanian, Jodie Foster and Tahar Rahim, and the film's director, Kevin McDonald, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.
Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.